0: family thinks i'm crazy podcast will ever do yes we will release episodes on the holidays yes we will release episodes on holiday breaks and things of those natures but this show is not a theme show so we're not going to be doing halloween themed episodes but today tis the case we are doing a halloween themed episode. So, I had to call forth the all-time champion returning guest, Andreas Exertis, to join us here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast to break down the hidden history of Halloween. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an extra spooky edition of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, and today I've called for the help of our most returning guest. He has more appearances on this show than any other guest. The master historian himself of all things alternative, as Sam Tripoli Likes to call him, he is the human supercomputer, and today we are going to be talking about some of the alternative, lesser known strains of information about Samhain, and for that matter, hollow mass and we are...
1: On Sam Samhain Eve, I guess. Well, isn't it Sam Tripoli? Oh, no, it's South Tripoli. Oh, I know, Samhain. <laughs> I don't know. These are all getting bled together.
0: But either way, it's the right day for this conversation. So without further ado, my partner on Wednesday Ultra, Andreas
1: Exertus. What's going on, dude? Dude, stoked to be here again. And uh, yeah, it's awesome that you're on Wednesdays doing like Wednesday Ultra. So we're just trying to build. You know it's going to be kind of confusing because eventually your whole family, all families, will be kind of crazy. Like, <laughs> so, but it'll all work out. I think that's kind of the. I the think goal. that's why the title's catching on so
0: fast, and hopefully it just keeps going. But for maybe mm-hmm. my audio people who only listen on audio, I do a regular Wednesday show called Wednesday Ultra. I featured a, true. a one episode of it on this feed, so you may have heard our one of them. But go and subscribe. Xertus, he's very easy to find on YouTube. Xertus, you just type it in, X-I-R-T-U-S, and we will be there every Wednesday, not just us two. We have the sweet stylings of Venice Beach Dub Club, Mr. Douglas, Giant, and occasionally Medley of Others. So, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, it's pretty beautiful. Man, I, I appreciate doing it. And yeah, it's, it's a, it didn't used to be that easy to find me. I don't know why all of a sudden if you type <laughs> "exorcist," you can find me. That's great on YouTube. But I got to start copying your game and getting the podcast out there for people because mm. I do get messages. Apparently, a lot of people don't want to go through all the trouble and hubbubaloo of like the web 2.0 restrictions and everything else like that. They want to just get their content. And so... Right. Gonna get that going, basically. Right.
0: And well, with <laughs> with
1: the advances in podcast RSS
0: technology, I think Stephen Corbett does this, or James Corbett, James Corbett is his name. He has a video podcast that goes out on an RSS feed. So there is a way to to get that to the people who don't wanna do YouTube totally. and obviously Rockfin Odyssey and all those other places. Right, but right.
1: Yeah, that'll be probably how I do. I'll scrape the library feed and get it out there in files for people. There'll be there'll be like files in whatever format you want. I think that's the idea. We can get transcripts. AI can just write it down for you. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what I do.
0: I, I don't publicize the transcripts yet, but I do have I do have that ability to, to read my conversations. It's pretty it's pretty crazy. But enough about all the tech stuff and the promotions. We'll plug all of that properly at the end. Today's Halloween, or at least when people are listening to this, it'll be Halloween, so uh, we're, we're familiar with a certain type of, you know, rigmarole, dressing up, candy, knocking on doors, that whole thing. We're not going to be talking about any of that today for the most part, right? We're going to be going back a little further.
1: i don't know i think they're all connected so here's the funny thing like just before like just to always be contrarian like remember (laughs) that we have the irish and of course the irish were catholic Mm -hmm. and so they had hollows eve etc and we'll get into that but at the same time you also the italians and they were catholic too and they did have really weird customs that also came over along Mm -hmm. and the funny thing is hollows eve as, as as far as being a catholic holiday was accepted whereas for protestants it wasn't so the divide is not really a time or temporal to divide it's a regional divide there are parts of the united states that are all about it you know because they're catholic and there are places that are very decidedly anti-catholic and think anything the catholics are doing is witchcraft and so yeah you get this idea that it's all terrible you know on one side as well so it gets real But there's very there's some convoluted things there right Mm. so now this
0: is a little new to me because i i'm like you know ignorant of maybe more protestant oriented places growing up in the cities growing up catholic there are protestants where i am from but you know halloween is just like one over yeah. the whole community in a lot of the east coast i'm sure but it, it, is there places out in the midwest or the south where they just have like a like a no halloween town situation um, similar like to like either. a dry town
1: there, there are places in California, man. Like, so for one year, I went to like a Protestant school in California, and it was, you know, because California is so wild. There's also people that are trying really hard not to be. And yeah, <laughs> right. they were very much against Halloween, and I heard a lot of rhetoric against it. In Colorado, of course, you got focus on the family, and they're pushing an anti Halloween stance. And that's reasonable. I mean, like, the idea. You know, think about how weird it is in America that like 50, 60 years ago, you know, at the most in the seventies, let's say (laughs) you go, is the beginning of the time you can go into an occult, go into a bookstore and buy occult books. Like you get one or two on a shelf, right? Like, but in the fifties, seventy years ago, no, no occult books. If you were to, you'd have to shake a hand in a funny way, you have to do some weird stuff. Like you might get like a special, like some kind of the hokey thing or Alistair Crowley's like. Pages were like snuck in by like the last library. No, today you go to the library and you can get like the occult section and there's thousands of books. Right. So this this is interesting. The the, the, the costume period and everything that happened, the social acceptability of magic that now we think of this as a totally OK thing. I don't remember. I think it's the eighth century, though, that the Catholic Church decides to have an All Saints Day. And when the All Saints Day happens, they're just pushing it on to All Hallows Eve. And Samhain, because Samhain was the Irish Catholic holiday that existed or, you know, the Irish equivalent to the quarterly holiday, because you've got really four holidays. Because if you have 100 million holidays for every saint, it's kind of crazy. But seasonally, things that affect you, solstice, and then those kind of quarterlies. So you've got spring and you've got fall. And there's supposed to be more than just that. Obviously, it's not just that the weather is right for food to be harvested and then therefore shared and that you might get a trick or a treat if you don't share with your community you might be hexed in a sense where the community court like all around on all four corners expects that you're too selfish to be part of the community that would have all sorts of you know communal problems that existed so these things were just kind of naturally integrated and then they said okay well we can't completely get rid of it let's make it into a Catholic holiday. But the Germans didn't have, they didn't have that same issue because they'd already gone through all these major witch trials. They were fighting against the Muslims. And so they were able to more successfully squash Hollows Eve. wasn't something that became a German holiday. And instead they were able to have this five day harvest festival kind of on the side of the thing, which over time, because of the loss of power of the holy roman empire over germany and, Aust- and whatever the regions of austro hungary and, and prussia then eventually during world war ii or even just before it the nazis they were starting to bring back the folk movement and so that that's the resurgence in germany of why today even they have such a awareness of the folk movement because it didn't happen until the 20th century that they even were able to remember what they originally originally were doing for their holidays hmm. so the protestants very much against it didn't want, I mean, but you have to remember there's Puritans and everything else that were living in Holland. And so they were looking at this and living in Lytle. When they came to the American colonies, they're thinking, we want to be as restrictive as possible. Make sure people don't do this on Sunday. Don't do that on Sunday. And there were, there were definitely like major groups that were against it. So it wasn't really until the 19th century that most of America started to embrace. After Washington Irving wrote Jack Spriggins. The Pumpkin Head, you know, Sleepy Hollow with Ichabod Crane—that is the beginning of the kind of social acceptability of American Halloween. You know, and even then, it's a little iffy. But it's through the Catholics every way along, the way. and every tradition. So the Venetian wearing of costumes is not Irish, right? But it is Catholic, and. The stuffing of gourds, though, I mean, because originally gourds are from South America. So that is interesting that the Mayan ritual made its way through Indonesian or Caribbean into the Haitian holidays. And we see this even in the early days because Trituba, is that right? Tritubia, the Native American witch from the, uh, Sa- the Salem Tituba. witch trials. Tituba? yeah. There's always that's see because I want to say Samhain too right Sam Tripoli and Tichuba but so Tichuba was in trouble for using magic like using egg whites in a gourd to tell fortunes and things like that and there are all sorts of these traditions of putting organs from a human sacrifice into a gourd by the Mayans and by the Druids there's usually carving out of turnips though because they didn't have gourds originally so if you look across Europe, carving out of turnips and different kinds of roots. And then eventually you have these gourds, but gourds become very important to all sorts of magic. There's even this weird movie from China called, and Disney helped produce it, The Magic Gourd. Have you seen that thing? No. It's like a Disney Chinese government collaborative project. And it's the second movie about the story about the Chinese gourd, but it's a magical gourd that can give kids like their dreams come true (laughs) and everything like that. Because the word Hulu... Kulu and like that's it's the, the the website gets its name from the Chinese ritual of using hollowed out gourds to trap souls for magical purposes.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. This sounds a lot like what Peter Jenks was talking about when I had him on not too long ago, and how in Thailand they will des- dedicate you know certain monuments using the spirit of someone who just passed away
1: right yeah that's true there's a lot of uses for gourds um for protecting homes they have all these you know different spells that they use that involve the seeds you know i've read some websites recently that were talking about how not to use it for your vehicle protection because then you might not be able to get in and get an in or out of it and different Mm. things like that can happen so people take it seriously and i don't just mean like you know, and, and no disrespect either, but to like, I don't just mean Tumblr witches, right? I mean, also all around the world yeah. that there are Russians and Chinese medicine practitioners that well, use gourds, you know, in al- Indonesia, especially.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Alchemically speaking, we are mineral plant and animal and our plant so to speak side of us would be like our nervous system, the way it looks like branches of a tree or any sort of root system. And I guess maybe the thought could be that that part of your energy would be absorbed into the gourd. Maybe, I don't know, just what my instincts are sort of hinting at.
1: It is interesting, like the connection between Druidism and Shintoism. And so you do start to see that, you know, both cultures are believing in effigy to hold spirit and that spirit can be manifest and ghost in the shell kind of ritual, but also that things are, when they reincarnate, they don't always stay in one piece. They could also just become part of the forest. And then the forest can be parts of you that are reincarnated into this and you know, like many people could be from Cleopatra and that makes sense to a Druid or to, you know, a Shintoist from Japan. That's, that's how that works. You could also be, you know, descended from a piece of paper that someone, you could be descended from the constitution if it was torn up, you know, yeah. there's a lot of things that could be going on. Absolutely.
0: So, yeah. So what are some of the rituals associated with Samhain or Samhain? Cause I mean, just in the little searching I've done, the bonfires seem to be very important The the divination aspect to them have you looked into any of the other rituals or have anything to say about that
1: yeah and like i want to be careful though because like so i can mention a few ideas for rituals but the problem is that we have to remember most things have been pretty much disappeared by the catholic church we have kind of records to an extent from what the vatican has released trusting that is a lot of presupposition but it would point to things like human sacrifice and things like that as well. It would point to a lot of, which is kind of, though, it's not exactly hard to believe, but it, there's a lot of the, the time where you're wondering, like, what is the likelihood that they're really doing this all the time? But, you know, the, the same stories that the, the Spartacus have of throwing fence or in Incas, saying, which in, incidentally, the Inca ritual Involves a gourd with the child. Mm. They do a child sacrifice at the top of the mountain. They get the child super drunk. They give them amanita mascara and then that child sacrifice to stop earthquakes or something like that. And so there are supposed to be rituals like this. And the wicker man is kind of the most famous one, where like you burn like a pure thing and a couple good things with the livestock. But what's weird is that's the you know that's the same as what the you know the Leviticus says to do in the Bible. Up until Jesus, you're supposed to be doing pretty much the same thing if you want to have atonement or if you want to like correct something. So it's not something particularly unique or you know the main thing that seems like beautiful about it is that Sawan has family interacting with their family because they've kept the temple of their family. That's the the connection with the Druids and the Shintuists, that seems the clearest is there really is this idea that. Things will disappear if they're forgotten. Things are remembered, and like this is like Vikings. This is still said in Scandinavia across Scandinavia. To be remembered is not to die. It's still made it in through these generations. So the the legacy you leave, the impact you leave, you know, Steve Jobs isn't dead because so many people have an iPhone until it's gone, and then he is. As long as Rome is remembered is another famous expression <laughs> like it, i don't know how real it is even but supposedly marcus aurelius is saying you know forever but not forever as long as rome is remembered right which is like ask a 5 year old about rome sometime this generation's not aware right <laughs>
0: Yeah, sadly, that is truer and truer each generation, but it could turn, you know, people rebel against the previous generation. So who knows? Maybe a a smart aleck generation will rise up to rebel against the dumbasses.
1: (laughs) It could be. I mean, another good one is the media, even the median work of talking with the dead, because the dead will be in the veil is the is the slightest during this time of year. And that is, but twice, there's also, it's very slight during the the Bealtaine, the Beltane, right? Right. The Bealtaine, I think is the way
2: you're supposed to say it.
1: (laughs) Well, that would be like, this would be the beginning
0: of the darker portion of the year, and that would be like the end of the darker
1: portion of the year. Beltane is in the spring, right? Right, and it's interesting because we think of time as starting at, you you know, in the middle of the day, at dawn and dusk, as opposed to at noon and midnight or something like that. But the way the hours are shifted—were you the one who was talking about noon is nine, or was that Thomas? Somebody had pointed out noon is nine. Originally, Earth the clocks were synced not to have the noon at twelve, but at nine, and then things would have been at six. Like right. so, dawn would have been essential, and do- dusk would have been essential instead of these uh, apex points, right? Which were you know essential in other ways. So. Yeah, solstices are key for certain kinds of festivals, particularly for mating festivals. Like humans have these like marriage rituals, birthing, you know, that's it's tied to those for whatever reason. I think there might be good. And I would ask Giant more about that. I'm not super deep into the astrological thing, but I can see in social engineering why it might be useful to have a bunch of Capricorns if you believe in that sort of thing. So there could be reasons why at certain times of years, the the festivals are more, all of a sudden you've got four, are these great parties that are just coming every month and you got to be ready for it, right? There's probably historically a reason for that at the end of the the end of the peak of solstice. And then these children-based holidays and the beginning of spring that are super essential yeah. right so but so so is essential as well for the idea of talking with the dead or at least that they're walking amongst us to some extent and that's interesting because it's like are you talking to people from hell well that is what the protestants would have presupposed mm. right because why would they not be in heaven doing their jobs no but you know this is the it could be more simple it could be that it's more like uh, these, what did these ancient people say? Was there this great divide? Not necessarily. What does the Bible actually say? Does it say that everyone's in heaven and hell right now? Not necessarily. Does it talk about the land of the dead and Shoal, and then eventually there'll be a day of judgment? That I'm not even that into it, and I kind of remember in the back of my head that that's how that goes. You know what I mean? So there's definitely there's definitely a point when there's supposed to be a divide, but we're not there yet. So other, in other words, there's a big Shoal, there's a big Tartarus, there's a big Hades, whatever you want to call it, hell, was the Nordic word with one H. But there's, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot more to that because again, anything we think about the Greeks, anything we think about the Norse, all of it seems to be coming from Iran, Tur- Turanian, like the whatever the Tartarian, Meso Arabia. Culture that was erased by the Spanish Inquisition and all these different groups that were going around the witch hunts, right? The Basque witch hunts we talked about. We we forget about these witch hunts. We think only about the American witch hunts. What happened to the European witch hunts? Seven thousand Basque witches—that's a lot. You know, we saw ten thousand in Germany in the last video we did, right? So if you if you look at all these examples of the of the Bamberg witch trials, for instance, right? They're just out of control and. No people have always been reading and then they're just, their books are burned and you're like, Oh, what are these books that are in Arabic? Witches, you know? Right.
0: Now you mentioned before about, you know, these pagans being portrayed at least by the Catholics as, you know, sacrificing people. And we're, often shown through studying history that when you get your history from the victor, they propagandize and brutalize their opponents and whoever right. they've defeated, they make them look like savage warriors, bloodthirsty killers in order to you know raise the morale of their own people up to a, a fervor of, of, of being able to fight a war. And we have to be able to look at that and, and take it into context and say, okay, well, maybe you know, they're misrepresenting these people as being barbaric. And in fact, maybe they were even writing off some of the things that they themselves were doing, blaming their opponent rather than taking the historical blame for themselves. And I wonder with these witchcraft trials that you've been looking into, does it seem like the, like, prosecutors of these witches were practicing magic themselves, maybe even elites or church fathers, people who are, you know, in positions of power and social sway.
1: So that, that's the best part. So yeah, and basically you've got a bunch of people that will tell you, hey, you know, these are feminist stories, these stories of witch trials, because these women, but there's a lot of men that were persecuted too. Right. There's a lot of children that were killed as well. And so then you can go a little deeper and be like, okay, well, maybe this is a broader social problem. Maybe this is a, a political thing. They're taking out people of power and you can check into that and you'll find, yeah, it's actually a little bit more complicated because why is the King James himself going and arresting Agnes Sampson, this like housewife. But when I say housewife, I mean I don't mean a, like a wife. I mean like a midwife. I mean like a, a wise wife, right? So she's basically a doctor, like an unaccredited doctor because she wasn't a man. But she knew all I mean, she would make talismans and shit. She would do she would have like a, a picture of three by three numbers and she would put it on a dry piece of clay and then she would put it in front of a woman while she was pregnant and it would it would save the baby's life. As was reported by Hypatia or, you know, most of the Roman doctors and Christian doctors at the time thought this was an, an appropriate thing to do. We got to remember also what they're competing with. Like they're they're all kind of superstitious at this point. But. King James, who's got the right of Solomon and the right of Muhammad, because he's descendant from their lineage, and he's got the ring of Allah on the seal of Allah, as well as the ring of of, of Solomon. So the, the 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 difference being that the seal of Muhammad, he's got Muhammad has a magical ring. That's that's the thing. He can basically fly. He can talk to magical cats. There's a lot of amazing things. He can shapeshift right. all because of this magical ring that should probably better belong in a comic book. No. But so does Solomon. And so if you think about it, like those are the two most powerful rings. Well, King James has both of those rings.
0: You mentioned this on the Wednesday Ultra, and I got to thinking about it. So the little I know about Muhammad, and all respect to all of our Islamic listeners, I don't know how many folks... Peace upon him. Yeah, I don't know how many people listen from Islamic countries. I don't think they have podcasting in many I'm
1: sure you have tons of Canadians who watch your show.
0: (laughs) Well, either way... I'm curious like we know about I know about Gabriel, right? And how Muhammad spoke to Gabriel, but is this like a sort of hero's journey where Muhammad then goes and learns all these other sort of magical abilities and demonstrates them? Does he have them from in the instance that he communicates with Gabriel or are they like part of his birthright like what what is what is it with muhammad like he's not a a wizard is that what you're suggesting like well
1: it's kind of (laughs) i don't want to say wizard exactly but i can send you is it all right if i do a screen share for a second yeah yeah
0: yeah please do let
1: me let me pop up the seal of muhammad and you can check out even just the basic wikipedia page will tell you that this symbol here which has the triple line and the, th- the double three, which is saying Allah and God and then the Mukaki, you know, it's supposed to be drawn in the sand and made by God and light. Right. And then it's found on a piece of red agate. And then from there on out, he's able, okay. Also lost in a well in the Medina. So you can't have one is the other important thing after it, but he, you know, everyone wanted to have the seal Of Muhammad, because this ring gave him the power to be, you know, he was, I wouldn't say a wizard. It was the God, God's angel gave him the power to control all of magic, because the last person to have that power was supposed to be Muhammad. I mean, sorry, Solomon. And then the final person was supposed to be Muhammad. So they shared that power like this sort of Excalibur. And while he had it, he wasn't supposed to abuse it. That's that's kind of the deal. But he could do anything that a demon could do. That is what the ring was for. So you could build a temple with it.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know how good this is going to show up on the camera, but this, this is a, a Arnalian, which is a type of agate. And what's really interesting that's always fascinated me about these stones in particular is the patterns that just are like they're this very pale, milky white they're often like this one for instance is almost like a fractal again it's right. you're not going to be able to see it it just looks like off white but i wonder you know if they interpreted what? like actual minerals cuz there's even minerals that have what looks like language and they just naturally form like these scratches that look like written language and they're called i forget what type of stone they're called but uh, yeah it's fascinating i
1: guess the fair answer is that at the time of muhammad things that we think of as magic were fully socially acceptable Mm. in a lot of ways like are today right you know like crystals are become but it's even more you know there are some people that doubted it but that would have been kind of weird because you're like that's not going to help you to doubt the voodoo you know behind Mm. the science so you had numerology you had all sorts of stones Right now I'm on a lake in Minnesota, which is created by volcanic blast, but probably glacierly. So like a glacier on top of a volcano in North America, beyond Canada, has shot out and landed and created thousands, tens of thousands, really. They say landed 10,000 lakes. There's like 100,000, but depends on your size range. But all around them is agate. There's just tons and tons. Like you can totally, you're spoiled with, you're spoiled for it. And it's. Like You go to places where there are meteorites and you'll find glassy stones all the time or whatever, at least volcanic projections as well, like along the coast of California, tons of jade because of the pressures together. So, I mean, there's the, the glassy stones are the most valuable, but they also seem to come out of the most intense environmental conditions. Mm-hmm. So it could be something connected with that, that it's forged by a volcano, like Libyan desert glass, kind of an idea, something magical occurs. Yeah. but. Regardless, you're not supposed to practice magic otherwise. And there are today well but Islamic witch hunts. The Islam goes after witches in Botswana, in Nigeria, in India, in, in Indonesia. There they don't like witch, they don't like witches. So they're today performing the witch hunts. However, if it were a Amman that had the ring of Muhammad, then of course it would be totally socially acceptable. Right. And the Catholics were the same way right
0: yeah I I really just brought the little crystal tangent up because I wouldn't think it's far-fetched to see a naturally made pattern on a crystal like this or even like this one and being oh. you know an Arabic reader you would recognize maybe in this pattern the it word Allah more readily than you might see it in English because I mean how often does a stone have like a, a the letter B on it, you know, right, but these, yeah, the...
1: but these stories are always like, and then an angel came down in fire, and then he <laughs> right, right, the... right. But right. you know, that could just be a metaphor for I was drunk, and then there was an explosion, and then out of it, I found some glasses. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: flowers. and I don't mean to make things into like a material explanation, but I do think there's like a, yeah. a bridge between the two where like something could have a, a material, tangible aspect and 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 still be mystical you know but a little bit of a tangent there so i think the audience understands there's these sort of occult magical practices that lay within uh, all of our cultures across the world to the most advanced
1: and muhammad's an interesting character he's supposed to be not drinking he's supposed to be fully alert he's supposed to be aware and then from there it is fascinating when you look at any of the religious works in the quran because they do have. A lot of the extra data about the stories that you might have seen in the bible or talking about the the trials in egypt or anything to do with magic or you know even the idea of men who didn't follow the sabbath being turned into gorillas and pigs and things like that there's all sorts of mystical stories there but so are there in the original books of the bible because they were written around the same time you've got people that were saying that Jesus had a dog head, or had a donkey head and that St Christopher had a dog head and that they could fly and you know Jesus went to uh, hell and or Hades Tartarus before it's too late got Adam and Eve flew out with them saved the day you know very like superman returns and those kind of stories were kind of removed when Erasmus happened from the Bible and further d- deviation so by the time that the Protestant German humanist kind of luther was there it's like okay well we really don't need all this nonsense right tertullian wasn't into it we don't need this stuff we don't need this magic hokey pokey stuff whereas the catholics they're very into that stuff today and at the time they were going around the world before the cia existed wearing black they got the idea from the jesuits to just learn about people and what their magical rituals were and to have the biggest archive of divination medium work spirituality every statue of every god or goddess that ended up in the roots of the Vatican right so there is there is the difference of of approach but the, the thing is when you're talking about who had the power to do this priests have the power to do this of course exorcism etc but under king james after he arrested agnes sampson nobody besides the king with his magic rings would have the power to do that because he wrote demonology king james wrote a book on demonology which is weird we have a king james bible king james demonology you know what <laughs> i mean like complete the set america like, why don't you have your copy should be like it combined the, the bible's got so many books in it anyway add a little prelude or a stuff i mean just it could have been a well, and to or clarify
0: for people the king james bible is used by the protestants correct
1: yes well a lot of time but so it's a lot of but it's officially like
0: it's officially an <laughs> anglican invention right like this is a f- yeah. this is like the ro- royal church of england creating this and then they started fighting and that's when the protestant thing happened right am i right and
1: and that's that's an interesting point in itself although i don't think it was necessarily as simple it was just about marriage I, I, I don't think it was as complicated it was actually more simple it was just about marriage right it was just that the guy wanted to do what he wanted to do and he didn't want to pay taxes on the,
0: on the didn't want family. to be a part of that empire wanted but, to have his own empire
1: but there were there were more books in the and there are still more books in the catholic bible mm-hmm. even going back to that this period with uh you know Tobiat, the the book of Tobis, Mm. you know, Tobit. And there are so many other stories that there's like four chronicles that are not included in the King James Version. But now Protestants like to use NIV, which is because it's copywritten. And King James Version is public domain. So if you ever get a Bible, get the King James Version because it's online for free and they can't make you buy it. You know, it's realistically the way to go. It also is, though, very Shakespearean because it's not written – you know, shocker, by King James, it was just published by him. And so all the people that were translating it working for him, basically the same people that invented the language for Shakespeare. So it is the new language. It's there were Bibles before it. The reason it's so important is because it's still in the kind of English that we're trying to be forced to speak today, Mm. even though that that's why they're switching languages. But you can go back and get the 10th century, you know, was it the Hastings Bible in the 10th century? And that is old english it sounds like beowulf so there are there are tons of bibles it's just that we don't read them you know there were arabic bibles in spain in the 1500s 1300s 1200s so right
0: right and things are sort of taken like a a hodgepodge sometimes, right? Like certain uh, authors of these versions, they would select things that maybe they were particularly fond of and leave out things that they weren't so fond of. I mean, is that fair to say, right, with this uh, sort of? Super
1: ironically, even though, because the Bible they kind of ends with, like, don't mess with this, right? But that is the way it's set up to do it. So this is the version we screwed up. Do not mess with this version because mm-hmm. this is the way we want it to be. And I'm not saying the Bible's too screwed up, by the way, because on a couple levels here, like one, they know what they know that they can be destroyed for not revealing the information. So the idea of disguising the truth in front of you is far more tempting. You want to do something where you can say, hey, I showed them everything they just didn't understand the context you know we don't speak that way anymore so they misunderstood the word or something like that that is a big way that they can control you and also the presuppositions about the bible so i think there's a lot of truth in the bible but you have to be careful about the presuppositions how you were trained to believe things because for instance there really isn't the devil the way you were taught the devil was in the bible right and There are other things going on. And so they'll tell you, oh, with presuppositions, this is Lucifer uh, instead of Venus. You know, Esoteric Eddie has gone and shown the examples of that. There's tons of more of these examples where they say, oh, well, this is the morning star. So this must have to do with the devil. Or this is the most cunning beast of the field. So it must be the devil. It doesn't say that the serpent's the devil, Mm. right? So we're just constantly, we have to be very careful about what we've been taught to think about the Bible. Right.
0: Well, and we also you know are are looking at a time period where people were summarizing what they're reading and then preaching it to a you know group of people that for the most part were probably illiterate right so we have People making these summaries of like, oh, don't think too much about that because that's just the devil. Like, you give it this, like, these all encompassing categories of morals for people. It's sort of like boiling it down too much because there's that, like, middleman effect sort of you know like they they get it in their head that they have to make it understandable for but that removes that person's experience with the text itself which is supposed to be this sort of exchange between you your connection to the creator your higher self or what have you.
1: And that's a big thing, though. Ironically, the 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 communities practicing folk magic and they were creating their rhymes. They did have their stories mm-hmm. kind of intact because of that, in a sense. And so those were the reasons that they were targeted so much. And it was it eventually mm-hmm. became secret. And then you have witches, groups of people that know how to practice medicine, know what herbs do and things like that. And they're they stick out like a sore thumb because well, they're like, clearly, they're the only ones that are self-sufficient and everything else so that they're attacked as well. And it is, it becomes a, I don't think just a war on feminism or something. It really is to an extent important to acknowledge medicine and brewing and, you know, the idea that me- that there were men that were in churches, partic- particularly these monastic groups of a hundred men that wanted to have jobs so that they would take over the witches brewing. And you have Trappist monks that took over making beer for that for that we can do it and it'll be all right. You know, we'll make some money off of that. So that's true. But I also think it's important to see the, the psychic warfare aspect of it. The fact that King James was so obsessed with magic, practicing magic, being the only Sith lord that could practice it with getting rid of all the Jesuit Jedi. And then the rest of the Jesuit uh, the Je- Jesuit, the Jedi Jesuit that are trying to practice magic today, because of course if you need an exorcism, I mean there are American options. You could do a Creedence Clearwater Revival cult thing, but aren't you more likely to go for the Jesuit movie? I don't know. It just seems like they know what they're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, very interesting. And I'm curious, you know, because you you mentioned medicine, and do you think it's it's as simple as not to simplify it to that? But like magic, when you look at magic, I sort of think it's a spectrum of activities, right? And maybe we've gotten some propaganda in the way where we think some of the more violent, malevolent things are a part of it that were actually the prosecution or persecution of those who are practicing things like folk magic and medicine. I mean, what exactly do you think that comprises of? Like ritual, ceremonial magic, or is it simply just knowledge of which plants heal?
1: So I think it's really interesting how they took love away from us, and so we ended up with seven words at least that we can think of that can be described today as love, like agape. Right. You know, <clears throat> the idea of eros. Very so. limited. Yeah, it's very, it's very, it's very plastic love, and
0: it's today. skewed towards like the baser desires too.
1: Magic's magic's been magic's been held hostage in the same way. All of the different aspects of psychic. Of of empathy, of you know, and empathy. I think is a broader. I think it's in this generation. It might be better to use the word empathy instead of magic a lot of the time. But you know, magic in terms of on an energetic level, people can say a lot of the time, and that's a that's a level too. But the science and the craft of magic. So it is. It has a lot to do with recipes, chemistry, medicine, meditations, the recipes for psychic meditations, of guided meditations, of getting a group together and imagining the same place together. There's a lot of the levels of what we use, the magic in using your different senses. Let's say you're blind and you're able to learn how to ride a bicycle. I mean, there's a a level of art that is magic. So all of these words that we've tried to compress into magic and then say, is it good or evil? Because that became a thing (laughs) for a while everything is good or evil. is it good is this guy good or evil it's like did you did like of all people the christians you would have thought you would have read your whole book that most people are you know they have a lot of things going on in a lifetime you know that's the that's the problem so i don't know i think magic is a bigger technological thing than people realize too harry potter is so messed up because not the trans issue, although I'm sure that that's a problem too, but it's mainly that they say that electronic devices stop working, which doesn't make sense because electronic devices are magic devices and our entire material reality is you know a reaction to the energetic level at least on a on a on a physics sense so we we have to acknowledge that there are subtleties and i think also the idea of looking beyond the self theology the is even a kind of magic that you and i are thinking about a broader thing than we can both experience singularly that idea of shared information is magic so all of those things if you would tested this by asking a native person, if these things were magic, they would likely say that they were magic, but that the problem is it's a low form of magic because so much of the technological magic is material and material magic is parlor trick. And so I think that's the other issue is that so much of what woos us is material right now. We're so amused and so entertained and so fixated. And that's that's why the most powerful magic right now is the ghost box, the TV or whatever kind of, you know, of course, it's really suiting its purpose, though, because people wanted a meeting. What's the thing people wanted the most? They wanted to be on the TV. Now people are able to do that. They're able to communicate. It's give, but slowly and surely in the sense that they controlled it all the way through. Right. That is that is an example, I think, of a practical magic. And I think it's being used on us all the time. And so we don't recognize that we're in rituals all the time. These are rituals that watching a TV show is a ritual. A horror film is an, is an amazing example of a ritual designed to get the energy from the audience, right? Often a sexual energy. I mean, there's a lot of these different kinds of rituals, but of course there's also decent ones like the ritual of brushing your teeth in the morning or something. So we we can do things that are designed to better our days in these really subtle ways that are that will change your life forever, right? And this seems so ridiculous. All it is is brushing your teeth with some baking soda. Like, what is the deal? But it is so magic is so confusing to people because it's just choosing to make your destiny. It's all the choices you make, right?
0: Yeah, that's fascinating, and it a good example to your point about how they've condensed. Things down to these like really limited, confined meanings. Look at what you started with, where you you talked about the monks taking over the brewing practice. It's my understanding that these so called alcoholic beverages that people used to drink were for their benefit. They were healing. If you go to the average bar and see the, the spirits and the liquor, you know, you know, which is totally different than alcohol. I, I enjoy alcohol every now and then. I, I don't think you necessarily should abstain from it, wine as well as another alternative, but it's been concentrated to this umpteenth degree with liquor. And of course, watered down and, and, and filled with fluoride with all these cheap beers. So you, you could see the intention is, is skewed from something that would heal someone to something that is entraining someone. And I imagine that the magic that they're doing on us is all similar. You know, it, they've gone from rituals holidays that uplift the people to this sort of slow grind to what seems like an alchemical ritual end.
1: It's there's it depends. So there's a couple of things so <laughs> like before so remind me to go back to alcohol but for just a second. So earlier today I was watching Linus Sebastian's tech tips, you know, Linus Tech Tips, LTT, and he did a thing where he was reviewing the difference between an audiophile's ethernet router, just designed to like, you know, magically fix the It's like, well, how is this really better? And like compared to the D, it's literally took apart a link thing and they rebuilt it together, but it's supposed to make everything sound better, which doesn't make sense because TCP is supposed to fix any packets with variable error correction, but whatever. So then they open the thing up and they look at it and it's got, aside from a bunch of glue, so you can't take it apart and does it anyway, sigils and hexagrams and crystals that have been put into the thing. And even on the backside, there's no way that you're supposed to be able to see these things. So clearly this thing, has been hexed, and it's been designed, the the ritual was done by the company to each one of these things, and they've added hundreds of dollars to the price because of it, because they believe that the hex is supposed to benefit audiophiles to make the audio sound better. And, you know, there's no logic to it, but it probably also, like they did some tests and people can tell the difference. I mean, there's really nothing else going on besides like a bedazzled crystal, you know, or something like that on the inside. So there are people that are using magic for the weirdest reasons, the darndest reasons. And that sounds crazy and like a a gimmick and probably you shouldn't buy from these people. But again, you can see examples of like Russell Targ doing this with lasers. He's like, it ought not work and then it does. You know the same thing with ninov we talked about ninov's element 118 ninovium which doesn't exist but now they've discovered it but he faked all the paperwork and i think the the logic there was he thought if you believe it it's voodoo science There's a lot of scientists that believe in voodoo science if you keep forcing it eventually somehow it'll just happen you'll manifest it to happen so there are ben- there are benefits to people that have been allowed to think that way existing but okay with alcohol. Vodka, vodka was a high potency alcohol that existed in the 12th, 13th century at least, and it was not drank drunk consistently. If someone got sick from dysentery or something like that, one of these brewing witches would distill this for the purpose of flushing out their gut and getting rid of the sickness of so whatever they they you know consumed or something like that that was a parasitic. They would kill it right with a with a the detox cleanse. Um, However, the main thing isn't necessarily that, it's also why people go for that. Why would you want to do that to yourself? And it's, that comes back to the spirits, the idea of the spirits, and why you know, brewing monks would be doing the brewing, why the Codex Gigas was done by Trappist-esque brewing monks, why, why mushrooms eventually in Rheinhopskabaten, they decided, no, 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 these are the only things you're allowed to put into beer. These are the only things, like why would they do that? It had. there was hemp and beer there was all kinds of different things beside hops so a lot of it came down to these monks were doing rituals and saying no no we're gonna do it better you know we'll put the saint germain or the saint gabriel or we'll put on the it'll be like dr emoto you know and that's that's the thing there were they were really all about spirits and they still are the symbols on the beer cans go to europe every beer can has you know every tall can has the craziest art it's true here too in the West. I mean, you've probably seen like the devil's kind of beer or the or the, the little aliens or whatever it is, you know, symbols, hexes all the time. Mm. Wine bottles, wine bottles are crazy. Same thing as cattle ranchers. There's just like crazy Solomon sigils that they brand their wine bottles and well, their cattle with.
0: It's interesting. Sailors have their own particular brand of witchcraft and magic. And in New England, we have a big sailing culture. So I've noticed that. That's a big theme, like horses and and anchors and other. Dude, tell
1: me all about that, cause like I'd love to know more about sailing witchcraft. Oh, dude, there's a weird
0: there's a weird video I found from this internet from the internet archive, right? And it's one of those. It's one of the top like research, you know, page, what do they call them? Like repositories of videos and it's all the military ones. And one of these ones I found was these Navy guys doing all these weird rituals. Like they, you know, it was their first, like, time using this ship so they had to like break it in they have all these weird like ancient rituals that they did one of which was like they had this big horse looking pinata that they like blew apart on the hull of the ship they like beat it up and they're like all kissing each other on the mouth like one guy standing like with like this weird costume on they all are lining up like kiss him on the mouth and like it just odd, like it almost looked like fraternity right. hijinks, sort of those like pseudo homosexual sort of fraternity hijinks, mixed with like some sort of like occult undertone, because there was like this sort of Egyptian symbolism, like with some of the costumes. That's that's what I noticed. But yeah, I'll send you this video. Wow. I haven't I haven't looked too much into the the culture of it, but you know, I mean, sea serpents, yeah, I mean, pirates, they're they're definitely a cult.
1: Yeah, they have all those things because you know, like the the black spot is very much like a black ball process, like the cotton ball thing. So, like, there are, there are a lot of Masonic traditions, and the idea of surviving at sea over and over and over again during storms, right? You're probably going to accumulate a number of superstitions. Well, in tattoos, worked out. Yeah.
0: tattoos as well. There's a big theme with sailors and all over the world. You know, tattoos are inherently a sort of like intentional magic. Peter Jenks, this guy's written a book called occult Thailand. And Thailand has a lot of culture around tattooing and the specific type of tattoo being a sigil that you then embody. And then, you know, there's like this sort of shamanistic idea here in the West that, you know, you sort of go through a rite of passage and you get a tattoo as like your, you know, symbol of that and you carry that with you and almost like a a badge, like a boy scout badge kind of thing, but more more ritualized
1: and sacred. Wow. Yeah, I mean I I've noticed that the the West Coast sailing culture that exists like they're definitely from a stock of superstition and it makes sense to me like I, my, I think I told you about my family I had the situation where my dad went on a boat and he ate rabbit on the boat and the captain freaked out because you're not supposed to have rabbit on a ship. Huh. And there's a whole bunch of things, little little things like that, that. You have to be very careful of because these are not acceptable. These superstitions that they have about what could, you know, get, I guess the captain can die. If you eat rabbit on a boat,
0: I've never heard that. I don't think he told me that. But there is there is a weird thing about rabbits. The rabbit foot. I don't think they've ever. At least it's sort of a mysterious origin on why the rabbit's foot is a um, is a sort of like token. You know of of good luck or how wild wow, protection, you know, you've seen, it's kind of like, yeah, a, like I'm wondering
1: a, why I was going to just like really quickly look at that. I was like, does anyone have like a thing on it?
0: Anyone who's been like to a corny, like, like local fair has seen like in the nineties, they had like those like hyper green colored or like blue colored, like rabbit's feet on the chain. You ever get one of those as a kid? I
1: remember. Apparently according to, uh, Niles Puckett 20th century Folklorist: the more wicked the person who is dead the more effective the charm associated with his remains and then so there was a dead witch who had a rabbit and so they took the rabbit and there's another one said that they received the rabbit foot of Jesse James so having a dead person's rabbit foot is even more valuable
0: yeah but I, I don't know if they've totally traced that custom back to its original
1: culture but in Welsh and Gaelic means tough guy I don't know that's a total huh. random but Interesting. Well, you mentioned Jesse James there.
0: He was sort of wrapped up in a bunch of weird occult stuff. I think we talked about, did we talk about that on the Wednesday Ultra episode? I don't
1: know. I think we mentioned it because I know Pain Trips is into it, mm. and I do like Jesse James. I wish I knew a lot more about him. I know he was like he was like the son of a rabbi, I'm pretty sure, or maybe the grandson. But he, I think he was the son of a rabbi in New York City. And then he went, was he from Connecticut or something? But he went, he's from like the Northeast. And then he went to Texas because, you know, you you move and there wasn't any pictures of you. That was kind of how things worked back then. right? And he could speak Spanish, he could speak Yiddish, he could speak German, he could speak Russian. He could, he was actually like pretty good at a lot of stuff. He's a smart guy. And then, so they said, like, why do you rob banks though? And he's like, cause that's where the money is. What are you even asking me, you know? right.
0: I feel like every American folk hero gets, like, colorized by the... Culture that's retelling it because we have so many right. like little subcultures here. Like the Jews are like, yeah, of course Jesse James was a Jew, and then there's like Scottish guys who are like, no, Jesse James was a Scot, you He's know, Scotsman. <laughs> the name of
1: James, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. born in born in Missouri. Okay, Missouri. Is that? But he was like a city guy, and so those are the things. At the time, it's very Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. You get to go from the city to the the west. Oh you know, yeah, oh, this is cool.
0: You went from the Midwest, which was probably more tame, to the Wild West for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could see where you got the Northeast part from. But oh, you
1: know what, though? Well, I might have been. He
0: might be related to some East Coast I think, like, establishment. I'm mixing
1: up Billy the Kid. Oh, we'll Let's see. Billy the Kid. Yeah, Billy the Kid is the one I met. I'm sorry.
0: Okay, that's all right. Jesse
1: James is the one who robbed the bank in Minnesota. That's right. He's a Northy. He's a very...
0: Well, what I learned about Jesse James is he's a Freemason. He had some gold and buried treasure and there's a guy named David Duke who's a des- descendant of his that's written a couple mm. books about it but uh, but yeah it's it's fascinating this like undercurrent here in the United States of occult and esotericism that's you know made its way from the old world and mixed with the consciousness of the natives and and all of the rituals that they right. you know practice throughout their year you know especially honoring the seasons and and here in New England They found a bunch of different dolmen-like structures and sort of stone-cobbled little shelters Mm. with corbelled stone ceilings. And the entranceways are oriented towards the solstice, but for the winter period, which is interesting because here on the Samhain Wikipedia, take that for what it's worth, they said that the pagans initially were orienting their buildings to that same direction because they really pre- or, you know they really ceremonialized this time of the year. And I don't particularly know for sure who could know for sure, but it is interesting to think that maybe those pagan cultures have a much older connection you know, prior to Columbus, right? Uh, Vikings, and we've seen them travel to the Vinland up in Canada and whatnot. But here in New England, they seem to have what looks like Irish and Celtic type structures. And I wonder maybe the Native Americans took their place, you know, or or maybe, you know, lived alongside of them for some period of time or assimilated with them.
1: Even the example of the pumpkin, because, you know, like we talked about the gourd and the reason how they used gourds, but when they did switch to the pumpkin, it was in the Northeast and it was because pumpkins had made their way from the Incan from Peru, essentially, they'd been traded all the way up to the North. And the reason for that was because squashes were very valuable as magic, but also for medicine, like all of the different things, pumpkin seeds are good for, for vitamins and the, all these different uses and also surviving in the wintertime, but pumpkins had made their way all across. So we could see examples of pump of squash being used in the, in the Northeast by everybody. That kind of gives you a hint that before the holiday existed the way we know about it, there's a reason why the transition was so natural to using the magical pumpkin. And that is interesting how it spread all across America and the world, this idea of magic and the squash and the pumpkin. Mm. But yeah, the idea of there being solstice aligned temples across America, that is, a, that is something that is You have to wonder all the time, and they always tell you, oh, well, you know, of course, because it's nature, they're going to pick up on the weather. Everyone's going to have a solstice temple independently. They don't need to have interacted with each other to have done that. But then you look at all the other little factors about the fact that there's a certain number of stars, points. Why didn't they just build regular squares all the time? Or if they did, again, you know, the the kinds of interactions they had with the other cultures, like that is an essential reason why they might have at an outpost still been trying to practice something that they had been doing for generations earlier so it is it is an interesting and relevant thing halloween is not just this new holiday you know as far as we can tell and looking at what the catholics were doing the the emergence of these pagan traditions wearing costumes in effigy of the symbol very similar to the tattoo culture that you become, you could wear your father's mask, right? These kinds of ideas. Mm. Those, those, the mask is such a big part of Indonesian culture, spiritual culture in general. There you go.
0: <laughs> I got this at the New Haven Green. I thought just because the New Haven Green means so much to me, I got it from this guy. And he was a nice guy. So I wanted to give him a couple bucks, but I don't remember it's which cool. country he said. It comes from, but uh, yeah, it's fascinating the mask thing. You mentioned the Venetians, you know, we're all familiar with that plague mask that became very popular over the past few years. But I mean, is there anything further about that? Because I we've spoken to Alessandra Belloni who talks about this black Madonna and how in Italy they'll have like this Black Madonna festival and they take out this big huge like parade puppet of a black woman and they're like you know all these white italian people are like parading this black character through their town in honor of Isis really it goes back to Isis but but did that sort of make its way into why we wear costumes like what have you learned about that we only kind of touched on a big
1: thing with like the italian culture and in spain and things is like so they did have mass culture going back to the arabic period and there were a lot of parties where people would actually just wear like shawls at Mm -hmm. first and then you have the idea of characters the more expensive characters that would be played is kind of like in a play because if you're hosting a party part of the thing is it's like, oh, the gods have blessed me. What's happening now? Oh, they're dropping. And then here comes the meat parade. And then literally, they would just bring out a tower, not necessarily of ISIS, but of hamburger meat or something. And then they just, it was as grotesque and, cause it's harvest season and you have to share with the public. And this is, there's just more excess in the Mediterranean than there was in the Scandinavian, at least as far as we understand it. I mean, there's cornucopias, Or the symbol that's being held by the gods, right? The cornucopia is that thing that holds all the fruit in it, like he's just scooping up fruit to eat and make wine with. So people would be throwing these lavish parties. And on one hand, people running around disguising their identity very much was, you know, you could get away with anything in a Saturnalia. But if people knew about it, the next week, maybe you can get in trouble. And so Saturnalia, you've got like people riding around on the backs of their masters, But they could hold a grudge if they remembered who exactly it was of their slaves that did it. So there's also this idea of king for a day, the disguise, the allure of being able to get away with it. The king being able to dress as a pauper, go around and interact with people on a new level. These these were kind of social tools of the time. And I think that kind of makes its way in because kids get to be whoever they want to be. You see that with the sexualization of young women and with you know the, the, the more sexual costumes that emerge. Like, well, what can Halloween do for you? Right. Well, yeah, no, that's
0: certainly, I mean, my experience with Halloween after after teenage years and into my adulthood, it seemed like, yeah, people found any excuse to wear a costume more and more. Like, Halloween bled into other celebrations, like, particularly music, which I get, but, you know, even, like, St. Paddy's Day parades and, like, things that, you know, don't necessarily, you wouldn't think of someone dressing up for, you know?
1: Right. But that again, so like that would have been completely normal in Italy and in a lot of places. You know, in Indonesia, for instance, people adorn masks. The Hmong the, the culture will do this as well. And it, again, the kind of the idea is even if you know who the other person is, you're supposed to not acknowledge their role in society because right now the rules are being broken, and mm-hmm. that is a that that's a worldwide condition of not wanting to always be under the the dogma of the state. But then again people will use that as an excuse to to manifest these, like, sigils. So the kids are dressing more and more, not, like, as these Disney character heroes and, and these scary demon corpses and things like that. The costumes are getting far more. Have you seen the costumes this year? And I, I've noticed this also because I went <laughs> to suburbia recently. So if you've ever lived in, like, Detroit or bad parts of dc you know what i mean like it's kind of chill at halloween like there's like a cute little spooky cat there's like a little happy halloween sign or something like that but like you go to suburbia and there's just literally like a hand sticking out of a car every car is covered in fake blood and they want to outdo each other and there's just like dead bodies like lying on the ground or hanging from trees and things like that in the midday and you're just okay you guys don't have enough fear in your lives so that's what you wanted this year. You wanted to get that out of your system at yeah. this time of year. Okay. But that's not necessarily, I think, what everyone wants at that time of year. A lot of the time, there, there's a lot of, like, you know, kind of hope. The, the idea of, like, Ray Bradbury's Halloween tree story was all about these kids who are worried about their friend dying. And then they go find out about all of the Land of the Dead or Day of the Dead festivals around the world and trade 10 years of each one of their lives to bring this kid back to life because there's like six or something of them but you know this is 1989 so if they don't smoke then they can <laughs> get those years back
0: <laughs> oh my goodness as i'm wearing the marlboro sweatshirt yeah. too
1: yeah what are you are you the marlboro <laughs> bro that comes in the he hand- with the stamps and he's like I just, those kids, they go to the bar and they, they're all swooped out because they have the Marlboro stamps. And he's no, like
0: I just yeah. got this at the flea market today.
1: I thought it was cool. Dude, Marlboro <laughs> grifters were a thing. Like if you, you ever saw them, they were they would come in, dressed up in all the Marlboro gear to like a bar or something like that and be paid to sit there and take a few drinks. So other people would be like, dang, I wish I had that cool Marlboro jacket. Well, you can too. All you got to do is get 60 packs of cigarettes and <sighs>
0: Yeah, that's why it's cool because I've not—I don't want to actually smoke that many (laughs) cigarettes to get this crappy merch. But God, I
1: I had a friend who got the American Spirits and stuff, and eventually they're like, "We care about you because you keep buying cigarettes." Here's a picture of our staff, and they would send her a gift every once in a while, like a little like melted down ashtray made of like recycled plastic or something. And I would just be like, "Oh my God, this is so tragic. This is like they're just—they're just checking to see if you're dead yet. You know, like what are they really?" They just I mean, what is really happening?
0: <laughs> I really regret buying this at the flea market. Oh my though. god. <laughs> it's only five dollars. I was thinking I would trade it up, but nobody Marlboro practices to trade.
1: witchcraft, right? You got Philip Morris and then Philip Morris's nephew, or no, it's it's the son who started truth, the truth movement against tobacco. Which then made it easier to sell all these other para projects and like nicotine vaporizers, but also made so expensive that it was worth looking into it.
0: Now go back to that for a second, because a lot of the tobacco that was grown in the early days of this colony was right here where I'm from in Connecticut. So, and they got all these you know big Remember tycoons.
1: Ian, Ian bought like bags and bags of the this like Connecticut tobacco leaf, just pure yeah. leaf. It was just like a pounds of just It looked like dinosaur leaves, all dried, and it was green and brown, and Mm. it was incredible. Like, I guess, and it was very different, like the kind of tobacco that you can, you know, add to a pinches or something like that, or also, because it's so big, they use it for wounds. Like, the Mormons are allowed to use tobacco Mm. just on a wound. You're supposed to, like, wrap a wound with it or something like that. Wow. So, I mean, there there's a lot of uses for tobacco we don't consider, and especially when it's not chemically treated
0: hey well i can't speak for backwoods they're probably chemically treated but i go with the non-flavored ones so here's for all the tobacco people out there
1: yeah i know philip morris is now called altria right altria or something like that so that's what is that's what his company was called no now they changed their name from philip morris corporation to altria altria okay yeah. interesting they have. Cannabis in Canada, they have all kinds of different things. They do. Now, what's yeah. the
0: witchcraft connection with Philip Morris the senior, the older one?
1: The symbol. Let me see if I can. This this the, symbol, Marlboro symbol. The the Philip Morris symbol is like two. It's a it's a unicorn or a horse. Standing bipedally with a griffin or a lion, right, and then there's the crown that they're standing in between, right, and then there's like a there's like a six 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 or something weird like that, and there's like oh. a Latin expression. Now, what's
0: interesting about the unicorn is now, I mean, I would, I don't want to talk much about a unicorn because it's sort of like a like a like a kids thing,
1: you know what I mean? But it right. it
0: goes it goes. To these See, occult, it
1: says, says Veni Vidi Vici. I came. I saw. I conquered. Right there on the marble pack, under the triangle, in between. Yeah,
0: but there was a time when it wasn't a kids' thing. wasn't a you know some kind of weird fruity symbol. It was it was a mythical occult symbol, an alchemical symbol, the unicorn. And the right. griffin too. I mean, I see these sort of things just at the end of people's driveways too. Have like griffin yep. kind of marker or effigies at the end of their driveways and whatnot. What's the point there? Is there? Do you know anything about the the meaning behind those animals?
1: I and mean, there's a, there's a few things there. Like obviously. 400 years ago a lot more interesting things lived because Mm -hmm. there were before the the great freeze of the year without a summer when so many animals went extinct the first time around there were because we were hunting into extinction animals also after that so europe lost a lot of interesting life it was probably as interesting as we think of africa in and even even today you think about africa the rhino's dead. Mo- they're getting rid of all these things. So very quickly, you can see how more interesting things used to live. There were rhinos with horns and things. And so the unicorn was more goat-like, in, according to the German and the Prussian books, and the descriptions of Tartary. The idea of a, a single-horned goat or ram, like about the size of a horse, yeah, existed. And so it was a thing that went into extinction. And is. Something that the last glimpses of it became kind of lucky. I think also people killed those as well because they they want to be the last to hunt the last unicorn to whatever extent. But it's not very different than a goat. I mean, having a horn is pretty regular. Having two horns is pretty regular too. But it's more and more neither exists because they've been killed off except for the ones that they've domesticated. And for whatever reason they've domesticated the two horned goat instead. Mm-hmm. So it's not that out of control. No, we Griff, have the
0: narwhal well. too. I mean, if it could grow right. on a porpoise, which is an Related to the same common ancestor as the horses, right? Whales and and dolphins and porpoises, those are all technically horses that just kept swimming.
1: (laughs) Right. Narwhals are pretty sweet, though. There's something magical about a narwhal. You look at that spiral horn, you got to be impressed. I don't know.
0: Yeah. What's that even for other than defense?
1: I mean, geez, could you... It's got to be magic. Come on. (laughs) I mean, just picking up on signals or... Right, right. Usually it's to pierce ice when they get under ice. Ah... I oh, think true. Hmm. Magic makes more sense. Yeah. Well,
0: and this kind of braids into another common witch theme, which is the idea of a familiar. It's mm. even known in some ways as a homunculus, which Juan talks a lot about. But the deal
1: of Muhammad gives him the power to transform into a familiar, right? Mm. Well, what not, it not seems. Not just to have one, but to become it. Well,
0: it seems like the more modern kind of American or. or European tales of this are like the familiar approaches you, right? Whereas that seems more like that he's the chosen person, or maybe a wizard who like creates a homunculus. But with the familiar, it seems more like it finds you. I don't know. Maybe that's just my. It
1: depends who So like, it's like uh, in Golden Compass, it's very Egyptian, where it is already destined that this is your soul mate, basically. You're mm. you're the the other half of your soul. So it could, it can be considered that way, but also it's a, it's. I think that goes back to the Christian tradition of it's a choice. You're making a choice to serve, and this is where King James really took offense. Like it's not so much that they're practicing magic, it's that they're unlicensed to practice medicine and magic. And so you're not serving the kingdom, you're serving the devil. you know they, they must have it's not just that they're practicing magic by practicing magic. they must be serving the devil. Hmm. So that's, you know, right. Right. I would
0: like to have a familiar uh, as a narwhal. I think that would be a good yes. familiar.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I mean, just in general, a squid, because it's, it's like the most terrifying thing. It's got, it's the most, I uh, love Craftian. Mm-hmm. It's a parrot beak that can suck your brain, and then it turns it, your whole body can, all of its tentacles have these spinning claws that can liquefy you and slurp you up into a smoothie it has to be able to go between its brain into its beak i mean that's scary yeah sure. but
0: that's all from the matrix though i mean if I, if no that's what a squid <laughs> looks
1: like that's what <laughs> an actual squid have you ever you're yeah. terrifying from yeah. like a tiny little squid to a two meter humbled squid that can eat a human is that is scary. scary
0: that is yeah. scary we don't we don't swim in squid waters so
1: i do <laughs> oh really I'm from the West Coast, bro. I'm from Humboldt, basically Santa Cruz, Humboldt area. And I, I live there now, but yeah, I did. They used to tell us like, don't get in a boat at night alone if you're little. There are like all these stories about drunk Mexican fishermen that got pulled off their boats, right? By squid, pulled by giant squids, right? Yeah, damn. Yeah, because it takes like 18 months for a squid to grow from about half an inch to six feet. It's a lot. I mean. Oh. They're, <laughs> Pretty intense. Wow. Well,
0: Andreas, you've said a lot. You've taught us a lot. This is a a spooky day, and we'll let people get back to their day.
1: Yeah, see, that's the thing. Don't be afraid of Halloween. Be afraid (laughs) of squid. That's, I think, the lesson. Right.
0: There are far scarier things in the deep blue sea than there are in your neighborhood. But be safe out there. I don't trick-or-treat. I'm not going to be trick-or-treating
1: do we be handing out candy to the kids? Uh, well,
0: I don't think I I live in a neighborhood where they're gonna well, trick or treat like if my. If you
1: get out, if you get out of it, fine. The thing. It's is my first time here. Be prepared though, because if the kids, if you don't get the whole thing, if you don't give them the trick, or if you don't give them the treat, they give you a trick. Society is, mm. yeah, it'll get you. Well,
0: I don't have a. This is going to sound really bad. I don't have a front door light, so <laughs> there's, okay. it's just going to look like no one's home anyway, so we'll see. It's our first beware time here this Halloween.
1: With, beware of kids with eggs. Yeah.
0: Well, that's tonight. That's that's tonight when they're doing that. We're recording this on Mischief Night, Andreas, so mm. actually, I'm excited. I'm going to be looking out that window behind me to see if there's any mischief makers, because this this neighborhood across the busy street from me, there's a lot of troublemakers. So we'll see what we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, I wish them all the luck in the world. Oh man. Well, people, <laughs> this is a shorter one, but you can find us on Wednesday Ultra There's a a big archive now of episodes that Andreas and I have done together on this show and that show. I think you have surpassed appearances there than here, but either way, it's awesome to have you as a regular podcast friend. Very cool. So thank you for, for joining me. Is there anything you want to plug? Anything that you're working on that I might not know about that you want to share with the audience before we go?
1: Oh, you know, I mean, every day there's a new show. So go to exertus.com or theandreas.me, and there's always new content. I am doing an interview pretty quickly with Ben Gertzel from the Singularity and AI Projects so works with Ray Kurzweil. So that'll be interesting on Substrate Independence, and that should be out next week. I also have a new episode of my Acid Dreams Disclosure of the CIA's Acid Experiments and Psychedelic Operations, Chapter 4, which would be out tomorrow so enjoy that
0: yeah and I want to thank you for telling me about that site that streaming site I was watching I watched Bernie Mac the other night I tried watching some of that Joan of Arc documentary that you recommended but I couldn't I can't get too far into it which
1: one the 1935 one yeah documentary well
0: it's not a I don't know why I said documentary okay I meant film.
1: Because there's also a 1914 one. I don't know. It is what it is. Yeah. It,
0: I was I mean, watching it like it was a documentary, trying to learn something feel, from it. <laughs> it does feel pretty
1: intense. Yeah. I don't know. Depends on how you feel. It is a very intense movie. I would say The Witch. Have you seen The Witch? No. That one's pretty scary. It's very Shakespearean. It's about New England. It's, it's all bets are off scary, but it is good. And okay. it's about witchcraft in the Puritan time.
0: Oh wow. it okay well tomorrow that'll be what i'll do we don't, we don't typically watch horror movies in this house but if if we want to get into the holiday yeah i think that'd be a good way to do it
1: right yeah, on i mean just be careful it's a little it's a little scary okay just, all nice. right yeah.
0: well zerdas i appreciate it brother thank you for being here and i'll see you wednesday everyone oh, man, tuning in yeah for everyone tuning in enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now into this episode of the My Family Things I'm Crazy Podcast very spooky Halloween episode yes and if you would like to get chalk full of Wednesday ultra you need to go to Zertis on
2: YouTube
0: YouTube anyways thank you for listening to this episode episodes and we have another coming up so don't go anywhere folks there will be another episode today october 31st 2022 on the my family Thinks I'm crazy podcast if you love the show please support us on patreon you get all of the bonus content over 100 bonus episodes and early access to new episodes rockfin you can see all of the videos and you get early access as well happy halloween everybody please support the show thank you for tuning in and immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now
2: They human in a cesspool of professionals. But I confess too much off of the tongue. All my aunties and my uncles shield the ears of the young. Hobby saying shit and they don't know where it's coming from. And like a hundred years, we went saw Bomber from guns. Check the facts, check the Fed, check the stars. Standy Miles was merc for a while, fuel cell car. They each stay on, you can stick with your own ways. But eat the rich and drink the motherfucking Kool Aid. And I can see the red on your lip stain. White skin, blue collar, pure American made. Fuck it. You can keep your blood so heritage and run the soul off the moon landing narrative. Yeah, my girl thinks that I'm embarrassing. My folks think I'm nuts, but never question the parenting. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy. Connecting dots, but it's all kinda hazy. Come on, in the net, feeling like I'm Dick Tracy. My pack thinks I'm un-American and shady. Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately. Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily. You could tell me that the president's an alien, it wouldn't phase me. My family thinks I'm crazy Baby, baby, baby My family thinks I'm crazy Baby, baby, baby You might think that I'm off in the deep one too many Netflix docs on the weekends But check the budget for a military defense Tell me we ain't scared of something not within reason Steel beams, another 1492 And 9 was the red, white, and blue And you be lit off the floor, I ain't got a clue All your dreams just shit on the Rockefeller shoes Don't believe a damn thing a politician ever said Ain't one brick left to go up in the Fed They still got bricks of cocaine to make crap Oxy's killing the working class, FDA's whack. Talking like this, got kids talking behind backs. Too much to unpack, so they talk smack. And I'm just trying to converse with my clan, but it ain't fan. So I'm here setting up camp. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy. Connecting dots, but it's all kinda hazy. Good morning in the net, feeling like I'm Dick Tracy. My pack thinks I'm un-American and shady. Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately. Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily. You could tell me that the president's an alien, it wouldn't phase me. My family thinks I'm crazy Baby, baby, baby My family thinks I'm crazy Maybe, maybe, maybe Just maybe Stuck in bed so my me boss me, thinks baby. I'm lazy And if it dies, but it's all coming crazy Come on, only giving that feeling baby, like I'm Dick Tracy My dad thinks I'm unmarried and it's shady i none. I'm maybe, feeling none. I'm feeling i You can tell me anything president maybe, so, You me maybe, My family maybe, thinks maybe. I'm crazy. Yeah. i think one thing i have learned is you can't roll anything out. So, you yeah. know.